Okay, Daftalad, we begin. It says like this, Reb Zera Amar. <clears throat> Reb Zera says, if someone sees me drinking after 6 o'clock, uh, just please, uh, please tell me. Okay, so I'm, I'm making sure to drink before, but if you see me. Reb Zera Amar, Reb Zera says, Moshe Olam Haviyada. Really, Moshe Rabbeinu knew when Chatzos was. The David, Nami Haviyada. Everybody knew when Chatzos was. The Kivan, the David Haviyada. Since David knew when Chatzos was, Kinar Lamali. Why did he need a harp? Right? Why did he need a harp to tell him when Chatzos was if he knew when Chatzos was going to be? Says the Gemara, Le He just needed it as an alarm clock. Meaning, if he was up, he would know exactly when Chatzos was. It's just that he was sleeping. So because he was sleeping, um, he needed a harp just to wake him up. Since Moshe knew when Chatzos was, why did he say Kachatzot? Right? If he should have said Bachatzot. Says the Gemara like this: Moshe Kesavar, Moshe held Shema Yitu et Atzdegnine Paro, the astrologers, the advisors of Paro, the Yomer. They're going to say Moshe Badoyi. Moshe is a fool. Meaning, the whole point over here was is that Moshe Rabbeinu predicts the plague of the firstborn is going to happen at Chatzos. Now, it could, even though Moshe Rabbeinu knew when Chatzos was, it could be his advisors, the stargazers, and people like that. Right? They think Chatzos is at a different time. So in their mind, Moshe Rabbeinu is making a mistake. The Moshe Rabbeinu said it's going to happen at Chatzos. They think it's Chatzos. They think a different time is Chatzos. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu just left it a little open. He says, Kachatzot, around Chatzot. Because Kasavri said, Shemi Yitzinu Yitzinu Pyro. The astrologers are going to make a mistake. The Yomer Moshe Rabbeinu, they're going to say Moshe is a fool. The Amar Mar, like Mar said, Lama Lashoncha Lomar in Yodeya. You should be accustomed to say you don't know something. Because maybe they will catch you and they will call you a fool. So basically, sometimes it's better to be on the safe side and say you don't know, then you do know something and then someone's going to catch you. Ravashi gives a different answer. Ravashi, Ravashi is giving a whole different answer why it says because he says Moshe Rabbeinu was speaking to the Jewish people the night before. <clears throat> We know the Jewish people left on the night of the 14th, right, when it was going 14th to 15th. So he was standing on the night of the 13th, going into the 14th, and he basically looked up at, at the night and says, just like this, however, however dark it is right now, that's, it, that's the darkness that will be tomorrow night at that time, Makas Pachoris will come. So Kachatzot wasn't referring to the time, but he was saying, like this, tomorrow night, that's when Makas Pachoris will happen. Saying to the Jewish people, like the chatzos of now, I, I, right? he says I'm going to come um, to Mitzrayim. Okay, the third wide line, really a new Gemara. Uh, a new Gemara. It says, Lidavid. It's not Brachot. But here's a Brachot right here. All right, there's another one right there. Okay, I hope nobody else comes. Uh, so, the, 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 so we have the third white line over here. The Pasuk says, The David Shomar Nafshi, Ki Chasid Ani. David Amalek said about himself, right? Guard my soul, Ki I am a Chasid. What does that mean, a Chasid? I'm a very righteous uh, individual, right? Not just righteous, but I consider a Chasid. Now, there's a dispute. Why did David Amalek consider himself a righteous person? So Levi ver Yitzchak have a dispute. Chada Makachem Adar Levi Kadosh Baruch Hu once said the David Shalom Hashem Yibanu Shalom Lachasid Ani 
Am I not a chassid to call Maki Mizrach of all the kings of the east and the west? Yishenim Mashal All the kings of the east and the west are sleeping in the third hour of the day. And I get up in the middle of the night to thank you and to praise you. So that's why I'm considered a chassid as I get up early, right? Like we are all chassidim as we get up early here. The other opinion says the reason why David considered himself a chassid, all the kings of the East and West, they all sit with each other in their honor and they uh, bashed in their, in their uh, you know, wealth. But I get my hands dirty with the people. Why do I get my hands dirty with the people? With blood, which means like a fetus, means like placenta or a sack. In other words, women are coming to David HaMelch to adjudicate or basically to ask for a ruling of a rabbi regarding their purity or impurity status. Uh, specifically in this case, um, they're, call, they're, they're asking David, when, when you talk about the fetus, and Shil, you refers to the sack of the fetus, which I guess could be referred to as placenta, what they're really asking David is, did they give birth or not? Meaning a woman becomes automatically impure if she gave birth. So the question was, it was a miscarriage, and they would come to David Melach uh, to basically find out, um, was there a fetus? If there was a fetus inside, meaning if it was late enough in the pregnancy, then it would, could be considered a birth. The point being over here is David Melach is saying, I get my hands dirty with the people. Why do I do this? To let them know whether they are pure, impure to their husbands. Not only that, but when I give my rulings, to the women, to the couples, everything that I do, I concur my rulings with Mephibosheth. Right? So David Malch is the king, right? So that's a very uh, humble thing for a king to do, to go ask somebody else, oh, was I right about my ruling? So that's how humble David Malch was, that he went to another person just to make sure that his ruling was correct. Mephibosheth might be the son of Shaul or might be the son of Yehonasan. It's a bit of a dispute. Uh, Reb, um, and he would say, I would go to Nimlach Mephibosheth's Rebbe, Va'omer alone, Mephibosheth's Rebbe, Rebbe, Mephibosheth's my teacher, Yafa Danti, did I rule correct? Yafa Chiafti, did I obligate correct? Yafa Zechisi, did I merit the right person correct? Right? Yafa Taharti, Yafa Tamesi, Vilobashti. And I was never embarrassed, where it could be an embarrassing thing for somebody else to concur their rulings with somebody else, especially if Mephibosheth will say, David, oh, you ruled wrong. So David Melch is going to have to go back to the people that came to him and say, oh, sorry, I, I made an incorrect ruling. Mephibosheth told me that I was incorrect. So that's why he should be considered a chassid. The Gemara uh, brings psukim to show this. Amr of Yeshua, Brader of Edi. My crow, what does the Pasuk say? Va'adabra be'edosecha. I spoke about edosecha, like your, your laws. And neged melachim v'lo evosh. And I wasn't embarrassed. Meaning, I basically would do whatever I was able to, to ensure that my ruling was correct and I was not embarrassed uh, to do so. Fine. Now the Gemara tells us a little about Mephibosheth. Tana lo Mephibosheth shemo el ishboshes. Which is why chances are this is referring to Shaul's son who we find is it's called Ishboshes. V'lom manikra shemo Mephibosheth. Again, his real name was Ishboshes. But why was, his call, why was his name called Mephibosheth? So it says, Shayim evayish penei. Right? He would... Embarrassed David Behalacha, which really means the way Rashi explains it, with his mouth, meaning Mephi, from the mouth of Ishboshes, he would cause embarrassment to David. That's why his name was Mephi uh, Boshes. Now, it seems even without the word, you know, even without that, his name was Ishboshes. So the, there's already embarrassment involved, and it could be, you know, we had, you know, we had, he had a limp, but uh, we're not going to get into that. So that we're, 
possibly other reasons why uh, he should be embarrassed. But the Gemara continues, as a schus of David, going through uh, such an extent to ensure that his rulings were correct, uh, we find that he was zochet to great children. As it says, L'fikach zochet David, David murdered, V'yatsu men kilov, or Kalev, I don't know how to pronounce it, uh, because of that, uh, he married to have a son named Kalev, Kilov, V'amar V'yachanon, Kalev, what? His real name was Daniel. Why was he called Kalev? Why was he given that name? Because he would embarrass Mephibosheth's Palacha, meaning he was even a more supreme uh, in halachic rulings, even more than Mephibosheth. So everyone's embarrassing each other with halacha, but the point being is that because Dovin embarrassed himself in front of Mephibosheth, he merited a son who was actually uh, overtook Mephibosheth in his halachic rulings. That's what his name means? But, what? That's what his name means? Yes. So it says, uh, well, I mean, kind of. So the way Rashi explains it is that Mephibosheth was an av of harah. He was like the father of ruling. So Kal is like embarrassed. So he embarrassed the father of rulings. Ma'achlem p'nei Mephibosheth ba'alacha. Va'allah v'amashlomo b'chachma. So Shlomo said in his wisdom, b'ni, Meaning, my child, meaning, you know, descendant of David, if you are smart, my heart rejoices, right? If you are smart, I, so he's referring to this very special son, Kalev, who was very smart. Right? Again, my wise son, you've made me happy, and you've, you, you've returned the chorfa, the embarrassment, meaning that because David was embarrassed, um, through uh, correcting his rulings with Mephibosheth, he merited a son who was very wise, or at least a descendant who was very wise. <clears throat> okay. Now I think what I want to know... <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me. Still have time. The Gemara wants to know, it's a bit strange for David to be referring to him as a, himself as a chassid, right? David is a very humble person, and yet the, the, the whole... Um, pasuk that we've been talking about is this pasuk refers to himself as a chassid. The David me karlin chassid. Is David the type of person to call himself a chassid? The haksiv. But the pasuk says lule hamanti liras Had I not believed that I would see the you know the living land of Hashem, and the Gemara explains further. Yosi. So already in the pasuk itself. It sounds like he's a bit misupak. He's a bit in doubt whether he will merit to be in the land of the living, which I guess means olam haba or ganedim. But the Gemara says further, If you look at the Tehillim, you'll see there are dots on top of the word lule. Okay, so there are dots. So anytime there are dots on top of a word, that means that you are supposed to expound something. So what are you supposed to expound upon? David said, in front of a Kaddish Baruch David said in front of a Kaddish Baruch Hu Ibanu Shalom Muftach ani b'chash atam shalom mishchai tov l'tzadikim l'asalavoy I know that you repay the reward of the righteous avol eina yodeya but I don't know im yesh li chelik b'neihem im lav shema yigrom chet so again the Gemara has a question that how could we say that how does it make sense that David says so confidently that he's a chassid he seems to be in doubt whether he, you know, he, he merits uh, any world to come or to be in the land of the living, right? As we see from this words, lule, and there's dots on top, that teaches us that he's not sure if he's going uh, to receive reward. So the Gemara answers, Shema Yigrom Chet, that's the answer. The Gemara answers, no, really, 
he was pretty certain based on what he had done in this world that he was considered a chassid and he would marry the world to come. However, perhaps there was some sort of sin that he did which caused him uh, to diminish his reward. So based on his maizim tovim, you know, he, he did merit the world to come. But maybe something from the outside, uh, some sort of sin caused him to lose that. Where else do we find that? Kedav Yaakov Bar-Idi. Kedav Yaakov Bar-Idi, Rami Ksiv. Rami Yaakov Bar-Idi says the following, right? This we just had in Sefer Bereshis. On the one hand, Ksiv, it says in the Pasuk, Hashem told Yaakov, I am with you and I will guard you in all of your ways. But yet, when Yaakov is approaching Esav, it says he was very scared. Understand? If Yaakov got an assurance from Hashem, Hashem says, I will protect you, what was Yaakov afraid of? Right? Hashem just gave him an assurance. So it says the Gemara, Hashem Machet, that he just thought that even though Hashem gave a haftacha, even though Hashem assured him that he will be with him, perhaps he did something uh, to lose that assurance. Now this gets into a whole uh, separate conversation regarding prophecies of Hashem. When Hashem says something, usually we assume it's going to come true. But yet this Gemara seems to be saying, uh, you know, maybe uh, through nature, um, in regular uh, occurrences, it should uh, come true. However, sometimes things could get in the way of that happening. Kedetanya, another example of this, the Brisa says, Ad Yavar Hashem. We say in the Shira that we refer to two different passings of the Jewish people. We say, Ad Hashem, Ad So what are these two separate passings of the nations of Hashem? So the Gemara explains, Ad Hashem, until when your Jewish people pass, Zubi Rishona. That refers to the first coming to Israel in the days of Yehoshua. Ad So again, in other words, when the B'nai Israel are singing and praising Hashem, for leaving Mitzrayim, they're then also referring to the two times in the future that they will pass into Eretz Yisrael, which is also worthy of thanks. Now the Gemara, the way Rashi explains it, is that if they're put together, then the coming to Eretz Yisrael the first time, in the days of Yeshua, it should be similar to when they came into Eretz Yisrael with Ezra, right? Until when they came the, the second time around. However, we know that the miracles only existed when they went in the days of Yeshua. And they weren't, well, it wasn't a miraculous, um, you know, coming in in the days of Ezra. However, the Pasuk seems to say, at least in the time of the Shira, that they were expecting both comings to Yisrael to be similar. So what happened? So it says, Amru Chacham, and the Chacham said, Ru'uyim ha'yisrael Really, a miracle should have occurred just like in the days of Yeshua, where there was a miracle, like we know by the Yardin and Yericho and all those miracles, we should have found similar miracles in the days of Ezra. However, like we found in the days of Yeshua Benon. Rather, a sin uh, over the course of history, over the next uh, couple of, you know, hundreds of years, uh, some sort of sin caused it that they didn't merit any miracles when they came in the days of Ezra. So again, we just gave three examples where even though it was supposed to be that they had enough schosim to merit a, a, a miraculous entrance into Israel, or Yaakov should have merited complete protection, or David should have considered himself a chassid, still each and every time it was possible, shami yigrom hachet, it's possible that some sort of sin would have caused <coughs> um, this person or this nation to lose that zuchot. Okay. So there's the end of the Divri Agada for now, which will, and this, this, the next Amma that we're going to do is a lot of halacha. We're not going to be able to you know, speak about every single implication, but there's a lot of halachot which comes out of the next Ambud. The Mishnah had said three opinions to when is the ending time of Kriyashma. 
the third of the night, which we discussed at great length yesterday, right? The third of the night, three hours into the night, or four hours into the night. The opinion of Rabbi Gamliel they have until dawn. And then the Chamim is until Chatzot. So the Gemara has, wants to know, to which opinion is the Chachamim going like? If Shechiva, going to sleep, means going to sleep, right? Not being asleep, then it should be until the third hour of the night. It's, if it's about being asleep, then it should be until dawn. What is this middle opinion of Chatzot? Now again, the mission was kind of clear. Um, what the reason is, but the Gemara is going to go through it. The Chachamim Amrim Archatos. Chachamim commands Rilahu. The bottom line. Who did the Chachamim hold like Ikre Beliezer Srilahu? If they hold like Rebeliezer, Lemakur Rebeliezer. They should say like Rebeliezer. Vikir Rabban Gamliel Srilahu. If they hold like Rabban Gamliel, Lemakur Rabban Gamliel. They should say like Rabban Gamliel. I mean, how do they understand Shechiba? Says the Gemara, Lehulam Kerabba Gamliel Srilahu. Really, they hold like Rabban Gamliel. They really, Minha Torah, biblically speaking, the time of Shema is until dawn. So why do they say to Adam men in order to distance a person from Avera? Right? Like the way Ram Gamil interpreted Chachamim in the Mishnah as well. like we have a concept. Chachamim the, the Chachamim always make fences to the words, to the words of the Torah, Adam In this case, a person shouldn't come from the field in the evening, First I'll go to home. You know, I'll eat a little. I'll drink a little. I'm sure we've all been there before. And afterwards, I will, yeah, and afterwards I will uh, say Krishma. And then, and then I will daven. Then what happens? Right? You fall asleep. You end up falling asleep the entire night. Right? So the Chum had to make a siyag to ensure that somebody will not rely on a later time to say Krishma. So what did the rabbis say? And again, according to Tosus, what the next Gemara seems to be saying is not only did they say uh, that Krishma is only up to Chatzos, but they also added other prohibitions. For example, no eating either. Meaning, if you notice, what was the issue over here? The guy came home from the field, he ate, he drank, and he fell asleep. And then he said, Krishma. So how is Chatzos going to ensure the guy's still going to come home and eat and sleep and fall asleep, right? Eat and drink and fall asleep. So the Gemara continues and says, Adam What really is supposed to happen in a beautiful world is a person will come home from work and instead of going straight home, he'll go straight to the shul. In Ragel if he likes to read Psukim, he'll read some Torah. In Ragel if he wants to learn some Mishnayot, a little deeper, he'll do Mishnayot. And then he'll say Krishma and Davin. And then he'll have his bread and then he'll bench and He'll be happy because he fulfilled his obligations. <clears throat> he learned a little. He said Krishna on time, and then he had his meal afterwards, and now he could fall asleep in peace. And the Bryce actually adds something very interesting. Anyone who transgresses the words of the Chachamim is Chayiv Misa. What does Chayiv Mita mean? Death, the death penalty. Now, this is a, a very strange Gemara. What does that mean that when you're over al Divrei Chachamim, right? We know the Torah is very clear about when you are um, observe, you know, when you are deserving of the death penalty. Here, the Gemara is saying that if you transgress the words of the wise, right, the words of the Chachamim, you can be Chayiv Mita. Right, that's very hard to believe. So, right, everyone hear the question? This is a very, very difficult Gemara to understand. You only get a death penalty if you kill somebody or get very extreme and severe punishments in, in certain cases. So the way the, the Rabbi Yohan explains it is that when you transgress the words of the Chachamim, usually what one will do is convince themselves that, oh, 
This, the Chamin don't really, this doesn't really apply nowadays. This isn't really what they meant. So they actually never do a proper tshuva. And he says, you might be considered like a zakin mamre, someone who doesn't listen to the words of the Sanhedrin. So he says, when, when you transgress a biblical law, so you're going to do proper tshuva. But in this case, you're never going to do proper tshuva, and you might give yourself the status of a zakin mamre. Okay, but there is more to discuss. Why in this brighta? Does it tell us this rule of anyone who transgresses the words of the Chamim as Chayiv Mita? There are plenty of places where a Mishnah Baita tells us a Dindar Abanan and it doesn't conclude. Imagine every time I gave a Dvar Halacha, I would say, right? So we don't say that every time. So why specifically in this case of Krishma did the Baita say this Mefurash? So the Gemara answers. Um, because sleeping is the concern here, so Chum really have to give like a, an, an, an inspiring reason or a, you know, a, a strong reason for why one should be really careful not to eat and drink and then end up falling asleep and missing this man of Krishna. No, 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 because the, the way Rashi explains it is that it's a very difficult thing to avoid, is to come home and basically wait around to start, you know, first learn and then go to Shul and, and Davin and then eat, since it's a very difficult thing to avoid, because most people at the end of the day are very tired, naturally they're going to fall asleep, so it's a very difficult thing to avoid, so Acham had to give you like an extra push and say, oh, you better be careful, you chayiv mita if you miss, uh, you know, if you say Krishna after chatzot, uh, and that would be uh, the concern. The reason, another reason why we said this is The reason why we said this uh, statement is to tell you that we're going like the opinion that Tfilas Arvis is Chova and not Rishos. So that's why we were very strong regarding Tfilat Arvit. Meaning this wasn't about the Kriyashma business that we were talking about eating and drinking and doing Kriyashma by Chatzos. Rather, we mentioned in the Bright to Davin. And we're letting you know that davening Mariv, which we'll speak about at length in a few pages, is not some sort of rishot, it's not some sort of, uh, you know, you're permitted uh, to miss, right? That's what it means, rishot. Rishot means that you could decide to daven Mariv, you can't decide. Rather, the opinion of this bright holds that Arvit is a chova. Arvit is... Exaggeration either way. Right, correct. So, but again, but it is a chova. It is a chov, it is a real obligation to daven Marv. So that's why he used the strong terminology. He said, don't think Marv is a rishot, that you could decide to daven, not decide to daven. We're going like the opinion that Arvit is a chova and Arvit is an obligation. So that's why we use this term, just to show you that Arvit is a chova and not a rishot. Yeah? So if I understand correctly, so really when they're saying uh, that really actually has no effect on really what they intend for the person to do and it wouldn't even help them if they... They can still procrastinate anyways and still fall asleep. So really they're just doing that to make a point to be careful? Correct. Correct. But it, meaning... In other words, but what the chatzos does, right, what the chatzos does is that some, then somebody knows in his head that he has less time. So if he knows he has until dawn, so then he'll convince himself he'll go to sleep and he'll wake up before dawn. Right? Okay. Which, which has happened to me. I'm saying, you know, whatever. What you're the, saying the, is the difference between the two games. But once... What do you mean, Uri? Correct. No, but I'm saying, but either, yeah, but either, one, either way, but, right. Say, and then, and but, yeah, but e- 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 either way, the point of chatzot is that no one's going to rationalize to themselves that they'll go to sleep. 
because they'll know that they only have a few hours uh, left. When you have until dawn, then at least you know you have many hours left to the night. So in those days, people got up early uh, so they could say, oh, you know what, I'll, I'll come home, I'll go to sleep, and then what will end up happening is they'll sleep even past dawn. But when you only have chatzos, then uh, you'll make sure that you're not going to fall asleep and you'll just wait till the stars come out. What makes this Gemara confusing is that it brings in this whole thing of eating and drinking and going to shul. So, you know, the question is why that's needed, right? So that's why I added that according to some, we're showing that not only did the Chum say in Tochatzos, but they did in other prohibitions, like not eating and drinking before Krishna, because this was all in order to ensure that you'll be up and ready to say Krishna at its proper time. It also shows that you're supposed to say Krishna right when the time arrives. Meaning, like for instance, when we say Krishna early in Shul, right, should you wait, okay, I always say Krishna by my bed, and that'll be the time that I repeat it. It seems like from this Gemara, many Rishonim say, that the second say comes, right, you should say Krishna, you should stop what you're doing. I know, but it does sound like that. It does sound like at the time that Krishna arrives, you should be ready to say Krishna. That's what it sounds like from the Gemara. I think it sounds like that. So let's continue the Gemara. If you notice, it said that the order was to say Shema and then Davin. Not everyone agrees that the order at the evening service at Arvid is first Krishna and then Shman Esri. Some say that the order is the opposite. First we Davin and then we say Krishna. Right? So what's this dispute? Misael Rabbi Yochanan is approved to Rabbi Yochanan. Dom Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said, Zeh Ben Elam Haba. Who is Zeh Ben Elam Haba? Zeh HaSamach Gula L'Tfila. One who puts Gula. Gula refers to Krishma. Because at Krishma we mention Yitziat Mitzrayim. So again, we mention Yitziat Mitzrayim, the Exodus, at the end of Krishma. So who is Zeh Ben Elam Haba? One who puts Gula, the mention of redemption, L'Tfila next to Tfila, which means before Tfila. Rabbi Shua Ben Levi, Omar, Rabbi Shua Ben Levi says, I'm sorry, so who's the Ben Elam Haba? To one who does this even by Arvis. Shua Ben Levi, Omar, Tefillah Be'emtzatiknu. Shua Ben Levi says Tefillah is supposed to be in the middle. I mean, according to Bishua, the way it works is in the morning, it's Kriyashma, then Tefillah. At night, it's Tefillah, then Shacharit. So the Tefillah is always sandwiched by Kriyashma. Tefillah is always going to be in the middle, meaning only in the morning do we do Kriyashma before Tefillah, not at night. The Ma'ikamifigli, what are they arguing about? So basically, the argument is going to be with how important is it that we should uh, emphasize the Geula, right? The Exodus from Mitzrayim at night. So the Are they arguing, is it a logical dispute or is it a dispute based on a Pasuk, but how to expound the Pasuk? According to the, there's one explanation which explains this machloket. They are having a, like a logical machloket. The important thing over here is the Jewish people started to leave at night, but they didn't really leave until the morning. So the first opinion says, They also started to leave at night. The completion of the leaving of the Exodus, it wasn't until the morning. So because a part of their redemption, the beginning of their redemption, happened at night, therefore we also want to ensure that there's a, this advantage of that is right before at night. Rabbi Shua ben Levi said, no. Since they didn't leave until the morning, this isn't a gula that's like important for us because they didn't actually leave then, only left in the morning. So since it's not a gula which is important for us, therefore it doesn't matter that it should be before tefillah. It doesn't matter that it should be before tefillah. Hopefully I'll be able to explain a little more this concept of gula tefillah at the end. Some say it's based on a pasuk. The pasuk says, says you should say Krishna when you go to sleep and when you get up. <coughs> Rabbi Yochanan says that we 
connect the Krishma of night to Krishma of morning. Makim, just like when you get up, it's Krishma of Achakach Just like in the morning Krishma, the order is Krishma then Tfilah, Av Shchivanami, Krishma of Achakach So to the Krishma night, that should be the order, Krishma and then Tfilah. Bishu ben Levi Savano, Makim, we can make another connection. Just like when you get up in the morning, what's the thing that's closer to your bed? Krishma, because you say that first. So too when you go to sleep, what should be the last thing you say? Krishma, right? In other words, we want the Krishma to always be Samach Lemitato, Samach to your bed. Fine. Right? The Mishnah says that in the evening we say two brachos before Krishna and we say two brachos after. So which bracha do we say? So we say one bracha, Go'al Yisrael. So that mentions the Exodus, right? But there's another bracha we say which is Hashkivenu. Hashkivenu just talks about God's protection. It doesn't mention the Exodus. So that's an interruption. What does it mean to put Geula next to Tefillah? That means that you're not supposed to interrupt. We want the mention of the redemption, Geula, to be right before Tefillah, and no talking, nothing happens in between. So the Gemara wants to know, so how can we say that blessing of Hashkivenu? Right? Only by Arvid, not by Shachrit. Tosas discussed that. So the Gemara says that we have these blessings. If you're telling me that you have to put the Geula next to the tefillah, you're not putting gula next to tefillah, because you have to say hashkiveinu, so that should be an interruption. Says the Gemara, since the rabbis said that you're supposed to say hashkiveinu, it becomes part of the gula. So either what the Gemara means is that the rabbis are the one who created this whole concept of gula next to tefillah. The rabbis knew this when they said to say hashkivenu, so obviously they don't consider it an interruption. It could be that it's also explaining further that the hashkivenu talks about God's protection, which basically we're always asking that the same way God protected us when we left Exodus, right? That was the leil shimurim, right? Leil shimurim. So when God protected us, then so we're always asking that that leil shimurim should continue. So it does have some evidence, uh, some you know reminder of what happened at the time of the geula. Of course, you have to say this because uh, How could you? How do we consider smicha gula tefila by shachris? Hamer biachnan biachnan says the tefila of Hashem sefasai tiftach. Right, we say the beginning of tefila Hashem sefasai tiftach of yageti latecha. Uvesofa amayiratzin emirfim. So again, the question is, how do you say Hashem sefasai tiftach? Hashem opened my mouth. That's not part of. That's not the tefila. That's just like a, spe- a special request we make. Before we start the tefillah, Hashem, you know, let my words be heard or give me the koach to speak to you. Rather, rather once the Rabbana instituted that, that you should say that, it becomes part of the tefillah. So too, when the rabbi said to say hashkivenu, it becomes part of the geula. The same way Hashem becomes part of the tefillah. Um, same thing regarding Hashkivenu becomes part of the Geula. Now, the Gemara doesn't really tell us who is the halacha like. Again, we had a dispute. Everyone agrees by the morning service, Shacharit, Krishna should be uninterrupted and should be right before Tefillah. By Arvit, it was a dispute, right? Rabbi Yochanan said, we want, uh, you know, we want the Krishna to be next to Tefillah, just like Shacharit. And Rishua ben Levi says, okay, Tefillah before Krishna. So, Tosot uh, might say, 
that uh, the Ikra Lacha is really that we don't really care about Smichat Kulul Tfila by the evening. And he proves that from the fact that we say Kaddish. The fact that there's a Kaddish at our evening service, again, we don't have a Kaddish by Shacharit. But the fact that we have a Kaddish by Arvit between Ashkivenu and the Amidah says to us that seems to indicate that, um, that we don't really care about Smichat Kulul Tfila because it says Arvit is Rishut. Because Arvid, whatever. So again, that, that's a comment that Tosot makes. If you'll notice that I'll, I'll sometimes announce Yalaviyavo at night by the Arvid service, but not by Shacharit. Because by Arvid, we're a little more makel regarding announcements and things which are Torah Tfilah that we won't consider uh, to be an interruption. Fine. Um, what? I mean, to go backwards. Correct. Right. Another way, what he's saying is important in Halacha is that if you're right, very good, thank you, that if you're late, for tefillah, and they're already up to the Amidah by Mariv, you're supposed to just start with them. You, you say Mariv with them, because we say that it's better to daven with a minion than to do it in the correct order of Shema and then tefillah. Shacharit, you would never say that. The order is very important. By, Mar- by Arvid, you first want to get your tefillah b'tzibor. You want to daven with everybody else. And then you could worry about Kriyat Shema later. Right? Very, very good. Right? For some people, it's more typical. <laughs> than your example. Uh, I'm a Especially want to do Kriyat Shema at its right time. That's also... Second to last narrow, uh, you know, the middle narrow lines. Anyone who says Tilal David, which refers to the prayer of Ashrei, anyone who says it three times is a Bet Elam Haba, right? Which we, we also say, we say three times, twice by Shachrit and once by Mincha. My time, what's so special about this Tfilah Ilay, Mushum Dasi Baalaf Beit, if you tell me it's special because it's comprised of. Every letter of the Aleph Bey's name Ashrit Timi Meiderech Dasib Tamni Apin. There's other chapters of Tehillim which is also you know goes through the whole Aleph Bey's. Elam Mishum No. There's a special pasuk. Deisbe Pasach Hesedecha. Very special pasuk which talks about uh, that God uh, gives sustenance to the world. Lachol Basar to everyone. So if that's what's so special about the pasuk, name Halal Hagadol. Halal Hagadol also you know in that parak also says No Son Lachem Lachol Basar Kilolam Chazdo. So that's also uh, has that pasuk. El Mishum Tarti. There's two things. Number one, every letter of the Aleph base, and in other words, we're praising God with every you know possible uh, all you know language that we have, and it also has the advantage that it talks about God sustaining the world. I don't know if you ever noticed, but it skips the letter Nun in Ashrei. Says When you mention the letter Nun, um, it recalls a different pasuk which we don't want God to remember. What is the Pasuk? That basically the Jewish people will fall, and according to the first reading, and kum, and the, 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 the virgins of Israel, meaning the Jewish people, will never rise up. So, so it reminds us of the Pasuk that Bnei Israel will fall, and, and again, uh, they will not be raised. This is a Pasuk in Amos, is rebuking the Jewish people. Now, so that's why we, we avoid the letter Anun, because Nun, again, when we think of Nun, we think of this Pasuk of Nefila. But Marav and Israel, they made this Pasuk a little better, and they read it like this. Hachi nafla, velo, they will fall. Velo sosif lenpol, od kum betulat Yisrael. And they won't fall any further, and they will, you know, rise up. So you put a little comma in the Pasuk, which doesn't say that they will no longer rise, but rather they will no longer fall, and eventually they will come up. But either way, it's not a Pasuk we want to mention. Even so, even though the nun is left out, David kind of hinted to us that kind of the reason uh, for the pasuk of the letter nun being left out, and he added, 
right after, what's the letter Samuch? What does it say? The Samchan Baruch HaKodesh, and he put next to this Pasuk Baruch HaKodesh, Somach Hashem Lechol Hanoflim. Right? The Pasuk right after the Nun is Samach. What do we say in Samach? That Hashem supports all those that have fallen. Clearly hinting to us, the reason we left out the letter Nun, letter Nun represents us falling. And the next Pasuk David points out is Samach Hashem Lechol Hanoflim. Apparently, Michal was a greater angel than Gavriel. It says, by Michal Vayoev, Eli Echominasrafim. It says, and then one swoop. And I'll explain in a moment. So, by Gavriel, it says, Vish Gavriel Asheri Bachazon Betchila, Moav Yoav. By Gavriel, it says, so if you notice, by Michal Vayoav, Yoav means like, you know, one. A swoop, you know, or one, uh, you know, waving of the of the wing, one flapping of the wing. So by Michal it says he just needed one flap of the wing to go, but by Gavriel he needed two. You know, he, he needed to press the gas pedal twice. So apparently Michal was a little stronger. You know, whatever this means. My now, so that's how we know that Michal was apparently greater than Gavriel. However, the problem is, how do we know that the first pasuk is referring to Michal? My mashma Michalu. How do we know that that pasuk is referring to Michal? So Amr of Yachanan, we make a little gzer shava. Asya achar achar gzer shava, based on the word achar. Ksef hachav yof elai, achar ben hasarafim. It says over here that in one soup, achar, you know, one of the sarafim. How do we know one refers to? Because it says achar somewhere else in reference to Michal. Hasam, and it says uh, somewhere else in Daniel, dine Michal achar min hasarim. I shouldn't be able to write name. Fine. Do you make gzer shava on the navi? Well, yeah, I mean, for something like this, yeah. Tana Michal ba'achas. And Gavriel Bishtaim. So we see that us now we're just uh, letting you know that Michal went in one swoop, Gavriel Bishtaim. Elio, apparently when Elio would fly, you know, to circumcisions, I guess, around the world, Barba, he needed four. Umalachamavis Bishmona, Malachamavis needed eight. Again, this is all uh, difficult Gemaras to understand. But if it was a time of a plague, and the Malchamavis was running around the world killing people, apparently that could be done like Michal in one uh, swoop. Um, I'm Rabbi Shua Ben Levi. We'll stop you. We'll do it tomorrow. Okay. Shkoch.